Welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Remember, if you've got to step away from the radio to walk into work or for any other reason, you do not have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts, you download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and you can take us with with you and listen whenever or wherever you are ready. It is that time of year again. The North American International Auto Show returns to Detroit this weekend. We're going to spend the hour today talking not just about the show and the industry and all of the changes that we are witnessing with regard to that industry. We're also going to talk about manufacturing and how manufacturing has changed here in the United States. But we're also going to take uh, some time to talk with John Idstey, who's a correspondent and host with NPR. He covers the economy. We're going to talk about some work he did looking at manufacturing in Germany, where the changes that have sort of wrought havoc here in the United States with manufacturing haven't really had the same influence in that country. A number of recent reports by him have talked about those differences and sort of highlighted the things that we might learn from Germany about manufacturing. So you'll want to stay tuned for that conversation at about half past the hour. But first, let's talk about the auto show itself. This year, the sparkle and shine of the spectacle comes with reports of declining auto sales and open questions about the future of the North American Free Trade Agreement. So what is the future of the industry that we are so fond of here in the city of Detroit? And what are we going to see that will blow our minds at this annual show? Here to kick that off for us is Paul Eisenstein. He's the publisher and editor of the DetroitBureau.com. Paul, welcome back to Detroit Today. Yes, it's good to see you. Uh, You are here, we should should point out, uh, just in, literally just in, from another big show that I think has uh, more and more every year to do with the auto industry, and that's uh, the the Consumer Electronics Show in Las Vegas. Is that right? Yeah. Actually, they've changed the name to CES, but I still call it Consumer Electronics Show, so people know what it is. (laughs) Right. And and yeah, if I mumble on or if I start to nod off, you'll know, because I literally just just got off a red eye and then struggled with I-94 to get over here (laughs) in time. That is one heck of a trip, right? Uh, so, So let's talk about the increasing overlap is what I guess I would say I see between shows like CES and the auto show. The auto show when I was a kid here in the 70s and 80s was just about cars. And I can remember, in fact, in 1986 or 7, my mom went and bought a car, bought a car at the auto show. Uh, It's not the same kind of thing anymore. It is way more about the industry and technology and the way technology is driving the industry. Wow, you got so many things to talk about there. Let me see if I can sum them up in, <laughs> in short order. Let's talk about the auto show. And uh, when you were a kid, you're mm-hmm. right. Detroit, oddly enough, was not one of the big auto shows right. until 30 years ago this year. This is the 30th anniversary of it becoming the North American International Auto Show. Okay. Okay. And that was a big transformation. All of a sudden, you know, a lot of the things that went to LA or New York in particular and Chicago started coming here. At one point, uh, I think they peaked out with about 70 to 75 previews in one year. It was absolutely astounding. Wow. wow. It was actually overload. For a lot of us media, it was too much. Uh, the This year, you're only going to have about a dozen or so news conferences. Uh, now, a lot of makers like BMW will yeah. introduce multiple cars. So there'll be about, they claim, about 40 
vehicles okay. and some very important ones. Here's the weird part. GM, no news conferences at the show. They're doing a preview of the new Silverado on Saturday night off-site. Ford's doing something on Sunday on-site, but no big preview during the Monday, right. the normal day. So it's very odd. A lot of the Detroit makers seem to be sort of pulling support, and Toyotas and Nissan are two of the biggest supporters huh. of, of the Detroit show. Now, you talked about CES. Yeah. And there's another reason why Detroit, I, I don't want to say struggling, because it's still a major show, and you'll still have three-quarters of a million people going there to sure. kick the tires, and a huge percentage of them traditionally wind up buying in the next year. But the Consumer Electronics Show used to be gadgets, smartphones, TVs, drones, Game Boys. Yeah. And now there's a, a section of one of the largest halls that is all automotive. It's Either all about cars. Ford had a big keynote speech by Mr. Hackett, the CEO, yesterday. Uh, Mercedes, uh, Honda, Toyota, all sorts of manufacturers were there showing off or talking about all the future technology. And that's the thing. Yeah, A lot of what the auto industry is talking about today is about tomorrow. Right, and, and how cars are changing. I mean, I, I have two pre-teenage children uh, living in my household and they have both said to me <clears throat> in the last I don't know six or eight months asked uh, whether they might delay when they learn to drive until cars drive themselves and it, that that blew my mind when it came yeah. out of their mouths because you know first of all I mean I grew up uh, like I said here in the 70s and 80s you couldn't wait to get your driver's license the, the thing you did on your birthday uh, was was to go get it so that you could drive but also this sense that they have that um, uh, that cars are going to drive themselves and soon that th that's permeated I think uh, their little preteen world in a way that I, that that shocked me I'm gonna have to interview him for a story in fact, <laughs> right uh, a friend of mine who uh, I've done some business with down in Austin Texas he's a, a big investor um, I talked with him two months ago and he said his goal is for his daughter who's about five right now yeah to yeah. never learn how to, to drive. not have to drive right uh, i spoke with carlos Ghosn, this the uh, ceo of the renault nissan mitsubishi alliance yesterday at a news conference in in las vegas and he said within their current six-year plan this the plan's just starting he expects there will be three types of you could say four types of autonomous vehicles out there one, which you were already seeing on the road this year, right. the big breakthrough year, BMW, Audi, Nissan, Cadillac, uh, semi-autonomous stuff. We're on the highway. It will let you drive hands-free, usually on limited access roads that are well-marked, so not in, in the snow. Right. Within a year or two, you are going to see the first true hands-off vehicles they will be able to do a little bit more, but you'll still need to be ready to take control in an emergency. Yeah. And it'll evolve to the point where you'll be able to pretty much do that anywhere, including city streets, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, or take control and drive if you want on your own. Here's the one that everybody's watching. And this is the one nobody knows what it's going to mean for America and the auto industry. And, and I point out, it's, it's a transformative thing for the country not just for the auto industry, and those are the robo-cabs. Right, right. You, there, there's a study that came out by Boston Consulting Group just recently that said that by 2030, almost a quarter of the miles that Americans clock on the road will be 
in electrified, driverless yes. vehicles operated by ride-sharing services like Uber or Lyft. Yeah. Think of that. <laughs> and millions of Americans will no longer own a car or ever drive. See, that's the, and that's the thing that I think uh, culturally is, is the big turn there. I mean, it is a huge thing to, to think of not driving your own car, mm -hmm. right? Riding in the car and letting the, dri the car drive itself. It's an entirely different, I think, step forward or some direction to think of not owning a car. I mean, this is a city that... Uh, that grew up around the idea of a car in every driveway, a new car in every driveway every like three to five years. Right. Uh, the idea that we would move away from that, I think, uh, and and I know folks uh, who live here who keep saying that'll never happen because it's Detroit and you'll never convince people uh, that, that, that this is better. And what's happening right around us where we are right now and what used to be called the Cass Corridor and is now Midtown mm -hmm. and is now gentrifying at a rapid rate and you've got people, guess what? Who don't own, who don't own cars. cars? Yeah, bike lanes. I'm not on just talking Cass Avenue. I'm not just that, talking uh, about the kids at, at Wayne State. I'm talking about people who are working, making a lot of money, who would normally take that money and buy a 911 or the like, <laughs> working for Quicken or what have you, who aren't buying cars. Or if they are, they may have a household where they used to have two or three, yeah. and they're only buying one because people are already starting to use Uber and Lyft. Put it in perspective: when you take the driver out of the car. The, the, the forecast is you'll slash the cost of what it, it takes to operate uh, one of those driverless vehicles. Right now, an Uber, they, they basically it's about a buck forty per mile for okay. them to operate it. And for you and I in a typical car, it's about 85 cents. It could drop. The estimates are that those driverless vehicles will drop below that, that those companies will actually make a profit and you will still pay less to go from point A to point B because than if you own your own car. Because you're that human capital out of right. the equation. And, and the vehicles are operating, in many cases, 24-7. Right. You only typically use your vehicle one or two hours a day, which means you're basically letting an asset Sit, <laughs> sit idle most. Of sit the time. idle and depreciate. Yeah, yeah. So, so the transformation's there. Here, here's the thing that nobody can answer, and this is the thing that hasn't yet been really talked about in the media. I'm just starting to explore it in some of my own stories. What does it do to change the face of America? Okay, you look downtown Detroit or New York or any other city. How much of the city? is parking lots right. and built Designed around around the car? Uh, exactly. The you know the, the religious folks will say we were designed in you know in the face of God. <laughs> the United States is designed in the face of its own God, of the, the automobile. <laughs> right, what right. happens when ownership is taken out of the equation? Yeah, yeah. Now, this is Detroit Today on one hundred one nine WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Paul Eisenstein. He's the publisher and editor of the Detroit Bureau.com. We are talking about the North American International Auto Show. Comes to town next week with media and charity previews, then kicks off uh, next Saturday to the public. We're talking about the convergence of auto and technology, increasingly something that gets shown off at uh, CES, the convention in Las Vegas, and at the auto show. We're going to talk a little bit about the declining sales numbers for the industry and what we're likely to see at the auto show this year. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. Tell us what you think about this convergence of technology and cars. What do you think about the idea of driverless autos? How close we are to that being 
a reality. Are you somebody who would give up your car if uh, you could get around without having one that you own? If you could just get into an Uber that maybe was driven by a robot? Uh, would that be an improvement for you or would that be something that uh, is just not culturally familiar enough for you? Again, 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we'll work you into the conversation. Uh, Paul, I, I want to ask about these sales numbers. Uh, you and I had this conversation last year, actually, mm-hmm. uh, and and my memory was you said, these numbers will go down. We will not continue to see this this kind of growth. Uh, you were absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah, we did have a weak year. And by the way, uh, before I forget, I want to slip something into your head that I want to talk about before we get off the yeah. air. It's automobility. So let's let's get okay, back. Okay, sure. Let's get back, we'll come to, back that. to that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we saw a modest decline. Here's an interesting thing. The auto industry actually owes a bit of thanks to Mother Nature. Believe it or not, the numbers would have been a lot worse if if we didn't have something like a half million vehicles destroyed by the hurricanes in Texas and Florida. So a lot of folks wound up having to race out. If you look at the numbers for the two or three months after those disasters, car sales actually picked up. If not for the disasters, it would have been they a would much have been more, more disastrous suppressed. year. That's a really interesting. Uh, that's a really interesting point. And we don't know what's going to happen in in uh, eighteen. Yeah. Um, so so how important is it to to sort of note that seventeen was less than sixty? I mean, you know, as we were talking about this last year, you were pointing out that this growth after. Uh, the bankruptcies after the reorganizations was a great thing, but that it couldn't sustain itself. I mean, that, that, that no industry just grows forever. Uh, forever. And so the, the question, I think, always is whether what you're seeing is a cooling off of that growth or a, a more transformational shift. In other words, uh, is there something sort of rotten beneath uh, the, the the infrastructure that's now going to cause things to, to to go the other direction. Well, one thing you always watch for is what's so, uh, what's called pent up demand. People that during a downturn couldn't afford to replace an old car and right. like, and pent up right. demand's largely gone, except for people who are still struggling, waiting for insurance checks or the like in those disaster zones down uh, down south. Uh, what's interesting is that it wasn't much more of a decline last year than we expected. And so I think 18 is what we're going to watch. Okay. Is, is the economy going to do the classic cycle where the auto industry really takes a sharp tumble? Or is this sort of a, a change in, in the nature of the auto industry where the downturns are modest uh, and you know it sort of levels off? We've never seen that before. You, right. you normally have serious declines. It's certainly in the 40 years I've covered the business. So it's going to be very interesting to watch. Now, one of the things uh, that may be moving it is uh, reality is that cars are priced out of the pocketbook yeah. range of most Americans today. I would, I, you know, I, I, I would say that I'm somebody who has migrated away from buying new cars because of that, right? Yeah. I buy a used car. You probably get a certified pre-owned. You get a certified pre-owned if you get it under, you know, 50 under 70,000 miles, you get a really great deal. And cars last so long now that that you're almost getting as much life out of it as you would have gotten out of the new car you bought yeah. 10 years ago. Yeah. For those who don't understand it, there's a something called the certified pre-owned or CPO. 
Every automaker uh, offers it now. And typically what it is is a vehicle that's come off of lease. It may be one, two, typically three years old, relatively low miles. Uh, because of what leasing requires, yeah. they're usually well-maintained. The manufacturers do some fix-ups. They do inspections, in some cases, 200 points. Tires are bad, they'll replace them. The engine has a little bit issue. The belts, things like that, they'll replace. And it's a little more expensive than a, a straight-use car, but not sure. much. And you get a like-new warranty. A lot of folks are going to that. I know people that could afford anything. And they're buying CPOs because well, right. they think they're smarter. Well, what's the point of spending forty, forty-five thousand dollars uh, on a car? As you point out, that's going to most of the day sit in a garage or in a parking spot and depreciate. When you can buy a car that's practically as good as that for you know twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars less. Yeah, uh, exactly. That just doesn't that doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, the average new vehicle right now is thirty-five thousand. Is it really good? Thirty-five thousand. It's at or near a record. That's level. just too much. I I I just I just coil when I think about that. I mean, that's just too much money for a car. And I think about how much money most people make. That is out of that is out of reach for yeah. uh, for affordability. At for least. for a large percentage of the American yeah. public, there've been studies that say basically only a couple cities in the U.S. people have the income to regularly afford new vehicles. Yeah. So you're getting a more select group of customers around the country who still buy new. And weirdly enough, because of that shift, you're not seeing the sort of huge records. I mean, if if, if the old paradigm had had stuck, we'd probably have seen sales of 20, 22, 23 million right. cars, not 17, which is still pretty darn good. Yeah. And and I don't, and I think that we may see things flatten out, not as much of a, of a spectacular downturn, barring a meltdown of the U.S. economy, but not the same sort of super peaks that we used to see. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Lots of folks excited about the auto show and want to participate in this conversation. No surprise there. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, and uh, go to Twitter and hashtag us, and we'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Dan in Birmingham. Welcome to Detroit Today, Dan. Hi. Hey. Yeah, I was just wondering, um, how many drivers for Uber, Lyft, and uh, long-haul truckers will lose their jobs because mm. of full automation, and how will that affect the economy? Yeah, that's a Dan. I think Huge that's a wonderful question, question uh, and I'm glad you called and interjected that into the conversation here. Uh, that that's the I, I think that's the the, the million dollar question. That's the sixty four billion dollar and question. The question that follows it is okay. Uh, you're going to replace the people who are doing those jobs now with with technology. Um, is there is there work for them elsewhere? Right? Can they service? The vehicles that 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 uh, that are driving on their own are there, um, you know. There there are so many different jobs that that involve driving that you can imagine going away. You're talking about an unemployment crisis that uh, that I think we would not have seen. It's uh, a before. side. It's the side that the industry doesn't like to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there are, if, if my numbers are correct, and I believe I'm very close to the exact number, about 5.2 million truck drivers in the U.S. Now, when you talk to the uh, the uh, association of, uh, was it, the American Truckers Associations, uh, they try to say, oh, no, we'll still have the driver in the cab as a backup. But then when you talk to other folks, they say, no, get the driver out of the truck. Yeah, and, and, save what, and you wouldn't pay that driver the same, I wouldn't think, if they're not actually driving. Well, that yeah. you know, those are the questions. But if... Some some trucks, you're going to need the people to remain in the car for various reasons. 
Uh, but if you were to eliminate all trucking jobs, mm-hmm. long haul trucking jobs, you're talking five plus million. Yeah. Then you have uh, I, I've heard numbers that run close to a million for ride sharing services now, and you have traditional taxis and you have delivery services and the like. And and it, the interesting thing is. It, uh, there's been a lot of people say, oh, well, we have to have humans because of what's called the last hundred foot uh, challenge. Uh, the UPS guy pulls up in front, the, the Pizza Hut guy pulls up in front, <laughs> and they have to get it to the door. Right. Uh, Mercedes recently ran an experiment where they actually used drones built into the truck uh, to, to, deliver to, to deliver to, to the, the door. door. Wow. I saw a robot while I was in at CES yesterday uh, that Honda showed off that's designed to ride along on one of these delivery services and it will take the wow. package to the door. Wow. Wow. So yeah. you're, you're, I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure. You know, I, I think of myself as uh, someone who really embraces technology and change. When you, when I hear you describing these things though, I, uh, there's something about it that, that makes me just a little, little hesitant about uh, how much, uh, how much we're willing to turn over Six, computers. seven million jobs wow. are potentially at risk so that you can save a few cents a mile. Now, here's the other thing. The flip side is uh, the safety issue is spectacular. Uh, we're right. talking, and, and I'm, I'm talking to people from all ends of the spectrum, not just one political or sure. uh, one automotive spectrum or the like. But the general consensus is if autonomous technology, driverless technology works the way it's supposed to, we're talking about possibly bringing from 35,000 deaths last year yeah. to, are you ready for the number? Zero. Yeah. Well, think zero about it this way. Fatalities. We just ended uh, a year in which there were zero commercial airline fatalities in, right. this, in this country. We've, it's taken a long time to get to that point. But the reason that's true is the pilots who sit in the cockpit are not really flying the planes as much anymore. Uh, the, the computers, computers line them up with uh, the runways and and all that other stuff. And I I, and, I just landed in a heavy fog. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, that that was not an that was not a human manned uh, landing. I mean, they, they well, call it still a Category humans. Three, which is uh, yeah. almost all computer. Yeah, there were humans in there, and uh, but there are people now talking about the idea of. Commercial flights with no pilots on board. That is too far for me. I'm not sure I want to do that. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, but, I'm a little uncomfortable with yeah. that idea. Before, before I let you go, I want to get back to this automobile mo- automobile question that you that you raised earlier. What, uh, I what, have, what should we know about that? I have to give a, a, a shout out to the folks at the Detroit Auto Dealers Association who are the ones who sponsor and organize the Detroit Auto yeah. Show. Uh, Rod Alberts in particular, they've, they've come up with some ideas that are really interesting. Uh, it, in, in many ways, it's six shows in one now. You yeah. have, of course, the Black Tie, you have the Public Days, you have the Industry Days, and more. And one of the things they've done, well, if, if CES is stealing a march on Detroit, let's steal a march on CES. <laughs> so you have something like four days of conferences talking about all the future technologies coming to the auto industry, uh, electrification. Yeah autonomy, connected cars, and mobile services. And by the way, real fast, uh, this is one thing which is just beginning to connect with people. What happens when you're driving or you're riding in a vehicle with no body actually driving? What do you do? And a lot of people believe you're going to be spending your time working, maybe sleeping, but also shopping and doing things. And that could be creating 
a, it's a multi-billion of, dollar business. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's a level of productivity that should help create jobs. Uh, is, is I think what the hope would be, but uh, but certainly it would change our lives. And, well, it certainly uh, make Jeff Bezos at Amazon yeah, right. a lot richer because <laughs> he needs a, more cause money. Because that's what he needs, right? <laughs> that's <laughs> it. All right, Paul Eisenstein, publisher and editor of the DetroitBureau.com. Always great to have you here on Detroit Today. Great to be with him. All right, up next, we're going to talk with NPR reporter John Idste, who recently compared U.S. manufacturing and German manufacturing and found some really distinct differences. Stay with us and stay with us on the phone. 313 577 1019. We'll be right back on Detroit Today.